We're speaking with Chad Mutre, Chief Economist from the National Association of Manufacturers, where he serves as NAM's economic forecaster and spokesperson on economic issues. We're very interested for his comments on Brexit, trying to find out what's happening there, and how does that impact U.S. manufacturing? Chad, welcome to the show. Great. Great to be on your show again. Enjoy having you on. You're always well-informed. You've got a lot of great information from NAM. Uh, the whole Brexit thing uh, being up in the air, we're trying to determine, does that have a real impact on uh, manufacturing in North America, or is it, in the words of William Shakespeare, much to do about nothing? Well, I think you know, the first thing to keep in mind is that you know the United Kingdom actually is our fifth largest trading partner. So when you're, when you're looking at important markets for U.S. manufactured products, uh, you know, certainly we sell an awful lot to Britain. Uh, you know, they come after Canada, Mexico, China, and Japan. Um, just for the record, the number six country is is Germany. So, uh, the United, you know, Europe as a whole is, is an important market as well. And, and in fact, when you look outside of North America, uh, you know, we sell about one out of every five products, uh, manufactured products, to Europe itself. So, uh, it's definitely an important market for us to think about. Uh, last year alone, uh, U.S. manufacturers sold uh, $48.6 billion worth of products to the U.K. So, um, so that, that's, I guess that's just a nice ground phrase to look at. I mean, I think, you know, the big, the big challenge uh, for us is that, you know, you know, the U.K. just voted for a divorce, right? Uh, divorce, divorces are always messy. Uh, it, creates, it creates an awful lot of uncertainty, uh, and in the, you know, the European Union um, it is not going to be. Uh, it, it certainly is going to try to make it as difficult as possible. And so I think you know that's from a from a North American, from a U.S. manufacturing perspective, uncertainty is never a good thing. Um, uh, trade agreements are going to have to be renegotiated. Uh, certainly in, in the short term, you've seen uh, what's happened to the to the British pound. And so, you know, th those things are obviously uh, what causes some folks some heartburn, I guess, to the extent that there is any. But, Chad, uh, it seems as though from a, some comments that I heard yesterday that being that they really didn't have any plan after the referendum as to what and how they were going to do it, that it could take eight, nine months before they actually sit down and have a plan on how to get out, which is going to take two years. Yeah. And uh, the EU is now not happy with that, and they want them out sooner. Well, I think you know, from from the European perspective, they obviously want this. I mean, they want they don't want uncertainty to linger on for years and years. Um, and, and I think also from the UK perspective, they're not going to want it to linger on either. So I think there certainly is an incentive to, to move this as quickly as possible. Um, it does need to be, you know, they do have to have structure uh, to it. Um, I think, you know, also keep in mind that, that uh, I think one of the big uncertainties coming into the vote, certainly after it as well, is the slippery slope phenomenon, right? You know, there are other countries, certainly uh, uh, political leaders uh, who are saying, you know, maybe us, maybe us too, right? And so I think that that, that is, is certainly in the back of a, particularly a lot of European uh, policymakers' minds that they they don't want there to be other countries that that also vote for for leave, and so that 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 is essentially where we are. Um, I think again, from a U.S. manufacturing perspective, uh, in the short term here, nothing has changed. Right, the U uh, the U.K. is still part of the European Union. Uh, all of the trade agreements uh, that are currently in place are still in place. The regulatory regimes are still in place. 
what happens, of course, is, is where we go over the next few months in terms of uh, where, where, where is the UK six months from now, where is it two or three years from now, and, and hopefully uh, access to those markets um, are at least the same or improved. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, what, so, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Luke. No, so I, I was just going to reiterate the Shakespearean quote of yours, that it may all turn out to be nothing. It might. I mean, to the extent that our access to Europe uh, and right. the UK is not changed, uh, that's it is much ado about nothing, I guess, in that context. Uh, keep in mind, though, I guess, from a, from the UK perspective, about half of their exports go to Europe. Uh, uh, London continues to be uh, the financial center of, of Europe for right now, and so there's certainly a lot of question marks uh, regarding um, companies that are based in London, what is their act or in the UK, what is their access to Europe going to be? Um, and the biggest impacts, I think, of the Brexit, at least in the short term, are probably going to be in the UK itself. And so uh, much of, certainly in the days following the vote, much of the worry that's out there about the UK economy really stemmed a lot from what is the UK's place um, in, the, in, the, in the global economy and, and has it shifted? Has it, will, you know, will the Euro European Union continue to uh, be their largest customer? And, and how does that affect their overall economy? And I think that, that those are still some question marks that are out there. Um, that I think certainly I think from from a short term perspective the European the UK's growth is going to slow from where it, where it was before the vote. Uh, in the long term, it might not change that much, but in the short term, yeah. there's still a lot of questions out there. There is a, a discussion that I heard uh, within the last couple of days that um, there's a calling for an analysis of the uh, particular products that are being. Uh, imported to the EU from the UK and to see as to whether or not the EU can create those same industries within the EU and away from the UK yeah. and start doing less importing from the UK and have more uh, uh, more continent manufacturing, which uh, that will sure leave uh, the Brits to find how do you do. I mean, that's, that's obviously the worry, is that that access uh, and those, those products that they're currently selling to the EU won't be there. Um, and if that's the case, right. then the U.K. is going to have to find other markets for those products. Um, right. I mean, just looking, you know, in terms of our exports to the U.K., uh, you know, certainly a lot of transportation equipment, including air, aircraft and motor vehicles. Uh, chemicals and pharmaceuticals are huge uh, for our selling to them, machinery. So just, you know, a lot of products... Um, a lot of companies in the U.S. really have a vested interest there. Um, sure. The, the other thing I think to keep in mind, I kind of mentioned earlier the pound. Uh, the pound right away uh, uh, fell about 14% or so in the days after the vote. Um, right. We've seen, uh, specifically given the announcement of the new prime minister, given the fact that the Bank of England chose to keep interest rates unchanged, uh, we've seen the pound currently um, – uh, down about 10% from where it was on, on June 23rd. Um, and I think, you know, in, in a larger context, uh, you know, this continues, I think, a larger trend for for U.S. manufacturers, and that is that the dollar continues to remain strong. They're looking at where the British pound is, and certainly that's going to be a little harder for us to sell our products into the U.K. Um, on the flip side, that probably helps U.K. manufacturers, right, because uh, 
a cheaper a cheaper pound means that they can be more cost competitive, and so that will be a little bit of a cushion for their economy uh, in, in that the pound has fallen or again roughly ten percent since the vote. Um, uh, on, on a nice positive side, uh, if you haven't refinanced your mortgage, it's a good time to do so. So certainly the, the U.S. has been uh, a safe haven for investments, and that's pushed uh, uh, interest rates to historic lows. And so we also have a little bit of a cushion for the U.S. economy from Brexit as well. Stan, how about your sense of the U.K. itself? Does it remain the U.K., the United Kingdom, or does Scotland and then Ireland decide they really want to be with the EU and try to break away. Well, I mean, that, that is, is, is out there as well. I mean, certainly, I think, you know, moving into the vote, I think those those who were saying that uh, the U.K. would vote to remain were looking really at this slippery slope and saying, um, you know, not only would other countries choose to leave the EU, but, you know, you certainly have Scotland, which is out there pretty vocally saying that they might want to have another referendum. Um, I, I, again, I think a lot of those question marks are out there, and we'll, a lot will hinge on uh, what happens over the coming months with the new Prime Minister, Theresa May, and, and what, what happens um, in terms of just how aggressive the EU is in terms of that negotiation process. Um, so I, I think, again, a lot of those questions are still out there. Uh, I, I don't have the answers any more than you do uh, in terms of, of whether the U.K. will still stay the U.K., uh, but you certainly were hearing an awful lot of rhetoric coming out of Scotland in the days after the vote about them, their desire to have a, um, another referendum as well. How is how is Europe doing now economically, Chad? Is it you know some of the countries are in the doldrums? Greece was in the basement. Uh, is the uh, EU doing better now as the economy moves forward? So you know one of the real ironies um, is that on the day of the vote, which was June 23rd. Uh, market, M-A-R-K-I-T, put out uh, their, their sentiment surveys for Europe, and it was at, at, all, at, at its highest point so far this year. So you actually were seeing some progress prior to the vote. You're seeing modest growth, particularly in the U.K. and in Germany. Uh, and so you were seeing some, some slight movement in, in the right direction for Europe. They're, they're going to grow roughly 1.7%, 1.8% this year. Their unemployment rate fell to 10.1%. Now, and that's still a high number, but it's the lowest it's been really since the Great Recession. Um, so you were starting to see some signs of movement in the right direction in, 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 in the Europe as, as a whole, uh, even, even if um, I think you know, those ongoing challenges still are there. I mean, you're, again, they're only growing 1.7%. They were having a lot of deflationary worries, um, and, and, and enough of those concerns are out there. Um, I haven't even talked about the whole migrant uh, issue. Uh, that the European Central Bank uh, is still going to continue to be quite stimulative when it comes to growth, um, certainly for the foreseeable future. The balance of, the balance of trade issue uh, in this country, where we're now at, I think, a $42 billion uh, trade deficit uh, as of the recent report, uh, which, of course, uh, we would like to see our trade deficit number drop and do more export. But we have, uh, and, and this is a little bit off topic, but it kind of relates that uh, XM Bank is still not uh, fully functional yeah. uh, due, due to one particular congressman particularly. And uh, it certainly would be a help if uh, XM Bank was fully funded so that we could attempt to do bigger deals uh, over that $10 million cap that's on there right now and be able to sell more 
to uh, Europe and uh, other places, but particularly Europe, because the, the dollar is strong, but it's come down a little bit. Uh, it may well be that uh, this could be a good time for um, Department of Congress, to, uh, Department of Commerce, to help promote more export-oriented thinking. Uh, they they always talk a good game, but it, you know they, when they did away with the disc corporation, uh, which was I think one of the greatest things that they did, you know, back in the 90s for export. Uh, we should have some incentives uh, to be doing more export, particularly to Europe. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I, that was that was great. I mean, uh, we we definitely agree. We we think that you know we we pushed hard to get the ex export import bank reauthorized last year. We had right. a huge win there. Uh, but right now they don't have a quorum, and I and, and and as you noted, that that really limits our ability to do export finance. Um, right. We're we're losing business right now. I mean, keep in mind. There are 60 other export finance agencies around the world that are very eager to take that business away from us. And, and without sure. the ability to make that, that, those, that, those export credit lines, um, we really are hurting ourselves to be competitive globally. Um, we're hopeful we can get a resolution of that soon. Uh, but in the larger context of where you were going with your question, there's just a whole heck of a lot we can do to make ourselves more competitive globally. Um, sure. As you know, we put out something earlier in the year called Competing to Win, which really lays out mm -hmm. our priorities from a policy perspective. That, so that includes trade, uh, but it also includes right. tax reform and regulatory reform and, and workforce and infrastructure and a whole host of other issues. Uh, this is all one big ball. This is, this is really our opportunity right now to put policies into place that can make us more competitive. And, and, and at a time when we are seeing struggles around the world economically, at a time when the dollar's appreciated roughly 20% over the last two years, we need, uh, you know, manufacturers in the U.S. really need everything we can to make us more competitive. And uh, export XM is one part of that, but. Um, you know, we need trade agreements. Certainly, the, the TPP is something that's a huge priority for us. Um, uh, but there's a whole host of uh, other issues, I think, which are our priorities as well. Well, anywhere that uh, manufacturing talk radio can uh, help aid and participate with them, we're more than willing to do as we have uh, in the past. Um, I just I'd like to bring up your your. Uh, Monday reports sure. uh, and your Tuesday reports. First of all, Tim and I, we race to work to get your uh, incredible uh, writings and wisdom of what happened last week. And uh, you're, you're right on the mark. Uh, we both really enjoy reading it. And uh, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a great quick read. Uh, and I think that listeners... Uh, can get a benefit if you'd like to give the URL address sure. for signing up to that uh, Monday economic report and the Tuesday economic report, uh, please do so. So I guess the URL, I mean, they're, they're certainly on our, our website. That's www.nam.org. Uh, but, but also, if you're a manufacturer, feel free to email me. We can always add you to that list. Uh, my email is cmutray, C-M-O-U-T-R-A-Y, at nam.org, and, and we can add anyone to that list. Great. Thank can you. I, can I just to wrap things up, uh, in view of those Monday and Tuesday reports, how do we look? How does the U.S. look going forward, probably from now through the end of the year? 
Well, I think you know the, the, we certainly have we, the, man, the sector in general continues to be very challenged. So if you look at industrial production, uh, we've been relatively stagnant over the last 12 months. Um, my view is we're not in a recession, uh, but we're certainly not growing to any extent to the extent we would like to. Um, on the positive side, that we have started to see some signs that at least sentiment is moving in the right direction. We've had uh, four straight months now where the ISM, the Institute for Supply Management Purchasing Managers number was over 50, so we've expanded for four straight months, primarily on stronger demand and, and production. Uh, and uh, our own survey that we do on a quarterly basis also showed a little bit of, a, of an uptick in the June survey. So. Uh, you know, I'm, I tend to be more of a glass half full guy, and, and, and I see a little bit better progress in the second half. Uh, my forecast for GDP for the year is roughly 2%, uh, and I see manufacturing production growing between 1% and 1.5% this year. So that certainly points to a little bit better second half than what we saw in the first half. Right, right. Well, we'll happily take 2%, and, and we appreciate you taking the time to be with us again on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Yeah, anytime, anytime. The nice way to end it on a positive note, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Chad. Thank you. Thanks again. Bye -bye. And we've been speaking with Chad Lutre, who's Chief Economist for the National Association of Manufacturers. He gave us some great information, and as Lou pointed out, he puts out a Monday morning and Tuesday morning report. We encourage everybody to go to nam.org to get those reports. We read them with great interest. They're very well written and incredibly accurate. That wraps us up for this segment of Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.